0: Adverse childhood experiences. Over 60% of adults have reported having them. We also know that about half of all children have experienced at least one adverse childhood experience or ACE, but what are they? What do they include? And most importantly, how can I help students with ACEs? We'll discuss on this episode of SC Elementary. Hello, I'm your host, James Lucas, and thank you for joining us for episode six of SE Elementary. This podcast is brought to you by Frameworks of Tampa Bay, a nonprofit organization that empowers educators, youth services professionals, and parents and guardians with training, coaching, and research-based resources to equip youth with social and emotional skills. Thank you all for your continued support of this podcast we appreciate that so many of you are tuning in and listening. After you listen, feel free to send us comments, ask questions, or give us your review. All of these things help us as we continually work to develop topics and content that is relevant, meaningful, and engaging. Also, be sure to follow SE Elementary on Twitter at FW underscore SE Elementary. Today, we are going to take a look at adverse childhood experiences or ACEs. Before we begin, I want to note that this topic may be a little tough for some of us, so feel free to listen as you feel comfortable. Let's first begin today by defining ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. According to the CDC, ACEs are potentially traumatic events that occur in childhood, so between the ages of zero to about 17 years of age. These can include experiencing violence or abuse, witnessing violence in the home or community, or having a family member take their own life or attempt to take their own life. Additionally, ACEs can also include aspects of the child's environment that can undermine their sense of safety, stability, and bonding, such as growing up in a household with substance misuse, mental health problems, inability due to parental separation, or household members being in jail or prison. ACEs are linked to chronic health problems, mental illness, and substance misuse in adulthood. ACEs can also negatively impact education and job opportunities. One crucially important thing to note though, is that while ACEs cannot be prevented, we can give students the tools they need to cope with challenges that come their way. And on the front line of this are teachers, just like you. Those of you that listened to our last podcast will remember that our focus of that episode was on safety. We discussed how a child's primary need is to feel safe, And this is exactly how we help kids with ACEs, by creating and sustaining safe, stable, nurturing relationships and environments for all children. But even saying this, there are probably some of you thinking that this is great for students in urban or high-needs areas, but my students are good and they live in a safe and comfortable area, so everything's fine. And this really is a common reaction to have. However, ACEs do cross all lines, cultural, religious, gender, and socioeconomic. ACEs can look slightly different depending on where you are, but this is a major issue everywhere. Also, we already know all kids need to feel safe, and they need meaningful relationships with at least one adult anyway. So why not just provide that to all of your students? The bottom line is we can make a lot of assumptions about our students, who they are, what their experiences are like, and what might be going on, but we never truly know. That's why we want to do the best we can for every child now. As we discuss ACEs, I'd like to share a pretty personal story from my own life that I hope will put some of this in perspective. Uh, First for some context, I grew up in a fairly upper middle class neighborhood and attended a public elementary school that was mostly comprised of students from middle class and upper middle class families. When I was growing up, I had a father that was at times abusive, both mentally and physically. He of course also had a very hot temper. When he got upset, he would start throwing things, cups, plates, lamps, whatever he could reach. I know now that this is not a normal thing. When I was young though, I would see this and think, okay, when you get mad, you have to throw things to show everyone exactly how mad you are because that's what I saw and that's what I thought you had to do. One problem for me though is that I was not a thrower of things. I was a lover, not a fighter. I also was worried that I might break something or hurt someone. However, my four-year-old self knew things must get thrown, so when I began to feel upset or angry with my mom, I would very gently, of course, turn things over. I would turn over couch cushions, gently. I would take a chair in the living room and I would turn that over, gently. I would take lamps off the table and set them on the floor, usually laying them on a pillow so that they wouldn't break. It's funny because my mom would walk in a room, see things neatly turned over and know that I must be upset about something. I would even do this at school. I remember in kindergarten when I was upset or I didn't get what I wanted, um, I would walk around the room and as kids would leave their chairs, I would gently pick them up and turn them over. I would also spill toys and crayons on the table, um, never the floor because I didn't want to make it too hard to clean up later. And then, of course, by spilling, I mean arranging everything neatly by color, shape, and height. Looking back now, I know my teacher was probably very perplexed by this. At one conference, she even told my mom that I was doing well, but then she added, When James gets upset at home, does he gently turn over furniture and lay things out neatly? Although my mom knew I did this, of course, her answer was surprising. She said, no, I'm not sure why he'd do that. So first of all, why do you think that she said no? I've talked to her about this in the past, and I believe the reason is that if she said yes, then there could have been other questions she might have had to answer. And these weren't questions she necessarily wanted out in the open. Despite the difficulties we all had at home, my mom was working really hard to try and keep everything together for us kids. So the point I hope I'm making with this story is that as teachers, we will never truly be able to know what's going on in our kids' lives, even if we think we do. I was, for the most part, a smiling, well-adjusted, seeming kindergartner. But there were a lot of inside pains and frustrations I was holding in because I wanted to be strong for my mom and I wanted to be strong for everyone else. Luckily, despite these issues with my dad, which continued for a long time after this story, I had an amazing mother, as well as a number of fantastic teachers that did all they could to make me feel safe, to make me feel accepted, and to make me know that I always had people in my corner rooting for me. Imagine if we can do this for all of our kids, not just the ones we like or the ones that we think need it, but all of them then we will really have a fighting chance of helping kids come back from ACEs, develop resiliency, and become kind, thoughtful, and successful adults. That starts with proactively building coping strategies with our students, such as building their emotional vocabulary, practicing deep breathing, role-playing different problem-solving situations, and so forth. Another way that we as adults can support students is to be very intentional about modeling constructive ways of coping with uncomfortable emotions. The great news is that these strategies will help all of your students, whether they have faced significant challenges yet in their lives or not. These are tools that, once we develop them, are there for life. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions or comments about what we discussed in this show, feel free to reach out to us on social media. And if you like what you're hearing, rate us and recommend us to your friends. You can follow SE Elementary on Twitter at FW underscore SE Elementary. Also, to learn more about this topic and all things SEL, visit Frameworks of Tampa Bay at myframeworks.org. I'm James Lucas. Thanks for joining us. I hope your week is full of kindness, and we'll see you again next time.